Joining us now is Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer. He is with us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. What's happening, Jed? What's going on, guys? Well, have, have you shaved yet? Because I was very complimentary of the, the, the rugged, stubble look you had going on. I, th- I thought that was a good look for you. <laughs> yeah, I wish I, my wife shared that view. Uh, yeah, I shaved. Um, okay. I do that. I do that every year at the deadline. I don't know why I do it, but um, it's gotten whiter and whiter um, every year. So um, it used to be a better look than it is now. No, uh, I disagree. Anyway. I disagree, man. We, maybe it's because I just saw Barbie recently, but we were doing like the series of action figures. Like you'd have deadline Jed is a different action figure <laughs> than like quarter zip spring training Jed. You know, and just we can we can sell all the all the accoutrement. I love it. Holding my cell phone, like action yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually think, think that makes sense. Um, Jed, what's this been like for you? If if you can separate yourself as president of the team versus fan of the team, what's these last three weeks been like for you? Yeah, I think you separate the decision-making part of it. Uh, it's been a really fun ride. Um, but, you know, the last couple of nights is being in the ballpark and – you know, the energy it has, you know, reminded me a lot of uh, when we started getting good, um, you know, in 2015, just um, a ton of energy, loud, uh, you know, people are into it. I feel like my ticket requests have gone up, you know, 20-fold in the last month. And um, there's a real buzz about the team. It's a fun team to, to watch. It's a fun team to root for. Um, so, you know, as a fan, it's been wonderful. Uh, as a decision maker, it was hard. I mean, we were, you know, seven games under, you know, not very long ago. And um, that was hard because I, I didn't want to, you know, make those trades, but I knew that it was probably the right thing to do if we didn't, you know, get hot in a hurry. So um, I'm glad that they did because it's a, it would have been a shame not to let this group um, be able to finish the season together because they do like each other. They do believe in each other. And um, it's fun to see that kind of group come together. Everybody felt the significance of the comeback win against the White Sox and then what we will refer to here and after as the Talkman catch game and everyone will know what we're talking about. It's just it it never ceases to amaze me that those of us that always try to be mindful of sample size and always try to understand the 162 with the deadline where it is and with the the competition the way it is this year sometimes individual outcomes really do matter more as they seemed to in this case, did they not? Yeah, the timing really mattered. You know, I mean, if, if we didn't get hot that week against the White Sox and Cardinals, it would have been hard um, to look at a team with a you know, sub 10% playoff odds and say, um, we're not going to you know look towards the future and, and, and trade some of the guys we would have traded. And so it was really important that we got hot that week. You know, I tried so hard that whole week not to, you know, look at individual games and I try to think about just let's let's get past the game on Sunday. Let's make a decision on direction after Sunday and not kind of go up and down and up and down. Um, but I didn't expect us to win all of them, you know, except for, I guess, the game on Sunday. So it made it pretty easy as we got to Friday and Saturday. It was pretty clear the direction. I mean, the team sort of made that clear, which is awesome. And you know, that game was a really nice uh, exclamation point on that process. You've mentioned before the concept of proximity to 500 and proximity to a division title. I'm curious, does proximity to the division weigh the same as proximity to a wild card? And if you guys would have been maybe further back in in the division, 
but closer to a wild card, do you think it plays out the same? That's a great question. It, a lot of it depends in that situation on how many teams you're you're talking about in front of you. You know, being you know five back with five teams in front of you uh, is a lot different than being five back with one team. You know, and I think that's something that we we're trying to weigh. But you know, I realize a lot of times when you start looking at all the different variables uh, and things like that, I realize that you know what there's you know five or six different websites and, and services uh, plus our own internal stuff that we used um, to look at the odds of winning the division, the odds of win- winning the, the wild card. And I feel like all those uh, algorithms are a lot smarter than me. And so uh, we really did look at that a lot um, as we were going forward and, and tried to make sure, okay, let's, let's get to a place where uh, these odds are, are fairly good. And, you know, certainly where we were early that week with, you know, sub 10%, that that was not going to be good enough. But as we moved into the thirties and, close to 40 that seemed like this is a good bet and again it's the bet we wanted to make on this team so that made it a very easy decision i heard you a couple weeks ago talking on our afternoon show with parkins and spiegel about how bullish some of your internal numbers were and i kept thinking about third order record that something prospectus keeps, which is a great way of thinking about it, is probably like uh, a, a turbocharged Pythagorean win-loss record. We're based largely on run differential, but run differential with quality of opponent factored in. Is that one of the things you look at? Yeah, I mean, we looked at the lot. I mean, we I think it's like I said, we had five or six different uh, things, and every single morning we updated them and, and looked at, at where we were, and that's a big part of it. The, the underlying numbers all year have been really good. And I think um, probably a lot of people were probably bored of, of hearing us talk about it. And, you know, sometimes you can look at run differential and that can be somewhat misleading. But when you look at, like you said, quality of the opponent, I felt like we had beaten a lot of really good opponents during the, during the course of the year in series. Um, and also, you know, trying to strip out some of the, the, the luck and some of the clutch stats and looking at just the um, our opportunities to score and how we capitalized on them. It was very clear that we were a better team than our record. And, you know, as we always say, at some point you are where you are, but when you play a lot of games, you hope that those things even out. And I feel like they're starting to even out, you know, we're, we're getting there, you know, obviously, you know, games like the last couple of nights definitely pad the, the run differential in a way that sometimes can be misleading against position players. But, you know, overall, we've had a really good run differential all year. Uh, the underlying numbers in that are really good. And so I'm glad, like I said, we won at the right time so we could keep this team together because I do think that we had outperformed our record the whole year. What was it that made you target Jamer Candelario mm-hmm. at the deadline? So we felt like the, the single most Im- impactful offensive um, contribution that we could add uh, was – I mean, obviously, John Mears is a switch hitter, but um, a position player that could really hit right-hand pitching. Um, we felt like there was definitely times during the year it felt like we hit lefties better than righties. Um, I, I think that uh, the emergence of Talkman ha- has limited that somewhat. Um, obviously, Bellinger has been bo- good against both left and right, but that was something we really wanted. Uh, how can we lengthen out the lineup uh, with someone that you know can hit hit right-hand pitching well? Obviously, um, he can move around to first and third and DH. Um, and I really believe that the, with the rules now, uh, you can't go into August and grab a guy off waivers if you have an injury. And so really um, having some offensive depth, um, I love the fact that we'll have to give guys more days off now when we have you know, really difficult decisions. I, I like the fact that, that uh, 
you know, Rossi has to make real hard choices now every single day on who to put in the lineup. And that's a great thing because, you know, there's going to be injuries over the next two months. And I think sometimes we forget how long it is after the deadline to the end of the year. And in my job, it feels even longer now because we don't have the ability to, to grab guys in August. When we talk to Jed Hoyer, we want to remind you to consider supporting Lurie Children's Hospital, which is important to him. It's ranked the number one children's hospital in Illinois by U.S. News and World Report. And it was the first children's hospital in the country, the first hospital in Illinois, to earn the American Nurses Credentialing Center's Magnet Award for Nursing Excellence. You mentioned that Rossi's going to have some decisions to make. They certainly will not be made without your input. And when you talk about seeing Candelario at first and third, what's the proper distribution of those starts and how important is it to keep Nick Madrigal in the lineup at third? It's really important. I think he's been he's been outstanding defensively. We look at his numbers. Um, I think there was some skepticism on his ability to play third. Uh, it doesn't exactly look like your typical third baseman, but he's done an awesome job defensively. And I think he's really starting to hit uh, like he has you know, really his whole career up until, you know, this injury that kind of set him back a bit. Um, he's a really good player. I think we want to keep getting him in the lineup. And obviously if we can move guys around um, and, and sort of keep him, keep him at third, that'd be a, a wonderful thing. But, you know, it's, uh, it's hot out right now. These are sort of the dog days that you always talk about. And so when we talk about distribution of playing time, um, I think being able to get guys a day off is really important. You know, we, you don't want to, you know, chase it so hard that you end up wearing guys out and then you, you, uh, you know, kind of fade down the stretch and hopefully our depth offensively can allow us to, you know, get guys off their feet for a day and, and therefore, you know, have more energy for the, uh, the real home stretch. So I mean, having some hard decisions and having some depth is a, is a great thing. What were some of the things that you guys saw when you made the trade for, for Madrigal and Hoyer that uh, allowed you to think, He's someone that can be developed. And what was the development plan for him when he went back down to the minors? And what did he do to convince you guys, hey, this is a, this is a guy that can help us not just get to the playoffs, but maybe win a playoff game? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, this guy was the fourth pick in the draft. I mean, he's, he was a star in college. He always hit. I mean, you look at his numbers when he – got up to the White Sox and, you know, he was hitting, he hit his first year, I think in 2020 and then in 2021 when he got, he got hurt um, in June, but up until that point he was hitting as well. And I think that injury really set him back. And I think it created some bad habits. Um, he probably wasn't, you know, loading into his legs as well. And, you know, sometimes he was kind of falling forward in his swing and, you know, some of the, you know, some of the impact of the ball was, was lessened um, even though he's not a high exit velocity guy, um, you know, his contact was even softer than before. And it felt like he just wasn't able to, you know, keep outfielders honest. And, you know, you have to be able to keep them back enough to hit, hit those singles in front of them. And uh, he went back to Iowa. And you know, it's a hard, you know, hard pill to swallow when you're a guy with his, you know, track record and his pedigree. But he went back. And to his credit, I've seen so many guys go back and sulk for a couple weeks and then get to work. And he got to work on day one. And, you know, he and John Maley, uh, who's the hitting coach in Iowa, did an awesome job. And I think he OPS like 1,400. And it was clear it was time to come back. And I think um, as much as he didn't want to, to go, obviously, but I think now he realizes that that reset, um, sort of getting out of the pressure of the big leagues for a little bit and working on a swing and working on some of those bad habits, I think was really valuable. 
and um, he's been awesome ever since. And um, he had a little little quick setback um, with his hamstring, but I, I think he's back and ready to go. And uh, he can be a really important piece for us this year and, and for a while. The effort to get Drew Smiley right necessitated the use of an opener for the first time, at least in my memory, with in, in this organization in, in two starts. And then he struggled again last night. What's the plan now? Does he make his next start? That's certainly the plan. I mean, the, the opener was was a lot born of the, the Cardinals lineup. Um, you know, they obviously guys like Arenado and Goldsmith at the top of the lineup uh, are tough to face. Uh, we weren't counting on Newt Bar homering uh, to lead off in, in both games. But, you know, overall, the, I think the opener worked well and, and, and drew, drew through great uh, the second time we did that. You know, I said this the other day, I do think with starting pitchers, um, their struggles are so magnified because they only go out there every fifth day. And, you know, what they do often means, you know, the win or the loss of, of the game. Um, they go through slumps just like hitters. You know, we just, with hitters, we accept it a little bit more. And, you know, this year already, we've seen Drew pitch incredibly well and then struggle. We've seen Jamison struggle and then pitch really well. You know, Stroh was one of the best pitchers in baseball, and then he struggled for a bit. And so I do think guys guys kind of go up and down, and it's our job to to get guys right, and hopefully we can get these guys all lined up, um, you know, for this, this stretch run. But I think Drew will, will, will right the ship. You know, last year, it was sort of mid-August or so, uh, right, right around that Field of Dreams game when he really – sort of kicked into gear and, and he was our probably our best pitcher the last six weeks last year. So hopefully he can do that again and uh, he'll be a big part of it. Jed, with Stroh, when you're talking about a player that clearly knows his body as well, like listening to him talk about it, like he's very good at explaining the, the reasons why he's out of sync. What's the responsibility of the organization when it comes to a partnership with a player like that? Well, I would say I mean, he's probably more aware of his of his body than any player I've been around. Honestly, like he just it's pretty incredible. You know what he's able to get out of his size and stature. He's such a great athlete. He's so twitchy and he's so you know so aware of everything. And so um, I think when he has a, a little thing like this, I think it can really throw him off. And so I think this is a good thing. Honestly, I think giving him a chance to you know he get a cortisone shot, sort of get his get his hip feeling good and then hopefully get his mechanics back to right. Um, Cause he was so good for us for, you know, I guess what was it was the first, you know, three months of the season, uh, so many big games um, and with our infield defense, you know, getting his sinker right uh, where the guys are pounding the ball on the ground. I mean, it's such a great fit with, with him and our defense. So I think this is a good thing uh, with the off days we have over the next couple of weeks, uh, we can reshuffle things and really, you know, hopefully he'll miss one start. Um, but I think this is a good thing. I mean, again, we have a lot of time left in the season, and the most important thing is getting him back to where he was, you know, in April and May. Jamison Tyone gets the start this evening. He's been really, really good, and clearly has figured some things out. And did how much was has been undone from maybe some of the off season tinkering that has him more comfortable and more back in 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 the kind of kind of form that you signed him for. Yeah, I, I will say I was I was in Milwaukee around Fourth of July and I was watching our game um, in the weight room and he was in there was talking during the game and it was really good perspective because he was like you know um, I, I had a, a pretty long stretch where I struggled with the Yankees and I kicked things in and he's like this it'll happen I'm, I, he he I think he worked really hard he worked hard to make changes when he was struggling but 
uh, to his credit, I think he had been through some struggles before and he felt like, you know, don't, it's, it's okay. I'm going to get through this. And, and you realize that's the value of, of having some guys that have had some ups and, ups and downs. If you have a guy that, you know, dominates in college, dominates in the minors and never has struggled and all of a sudden he struggles, sometimes they, they really panic. And I think he had a really good perspective on it. And, you know, his, um, his fastball shapes had, had gotten a little bit away from where they were with the Yankees. And that was the, the most important thing was really working with our pitching, pitching guys um, and the trainers and the strength guys just to get, you know, get his body in the right place and, and get those fastball shapes back to where they were. And, um, you know, he's been beating guys in the zone uh, the last three or four starts, and that's what he wasn't doing before. And um, hopefully uh, he pitches well tonight. I don't think that I've ever seen a player consistently make that slide throw from the six hole the way that Dansby Swanson does. I heard a story that while you had COVID, you watched every ground ball that he took in Atlanta. Is that true? And secondly, how big of a deal has it been for your defense that Dansby Swanson is your shortstop? Yeah, it's embarrassing to admit that. But, yeah, I was stuck in a hotel room and I had COVID. And I knew we had this huge decision on which uh, shortstop to go after. And so, you know, for all those guys, I – you know, with our computer system, I watched every every single ground ball that they all got, and it really did you know, kind of gravitate me towards Dansby. I mean, already he had such a great reputation as a leader, um, but he's played shortstop. I, I haven't been around a guy that you know when the ball's hit to him, you're out. He makes all the plays. It's a it's a steadying confidence that's really incredible, um, and that was part of what I really what drew me to him was he, he makes every play, whether it's backhand side, you know, glove side coming in on, there's no play that is uncomfortable for him. He makes all of them and it's, it's remarkable. And I do think that his, his presence has been so incredibly steadying and people mentioned the talking game. Um, and it isn't about Dansby, but you know, the double play that we turned before the talking catch was almost as impactful. And, and essentially it was such a hard double play to turn you know, Nico had to be perfect. Dansby had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we built this team, that's what we were hoping for is, you know, we have a gold glove second baseman, we have a gold glove shortstop. And I didn't realize at the time we were going to have a, you know, a, a third baseman that was going to be playing at that level too. And when you watch us play now, it's really clean. And, and we turn ground balls into outs. And um, Dansby and Nico have been in, in incredibly important that way. And I think, it, you know, as much as we've been scoring a ton of runs, I still feel like that's the backbone of the team. Uh, and they've been terrific. I want to get back to something you said before about how the ballpark feels. And you mentioned the anecdotal evidence of your personal ticket requests going up. And I think all of these all of these data points and, and the calls that we were taking before about how much fun people are having, I think people get the impression that when you go to work on, on the front office side and off a of Gallagher way there, that it's all very clinical and all everybody you know, blinking screens and you're looking at your phones and everybody's all McKinsey-brained. But the fact is, you guys are baseball fans, too. And now that some of these decisions are made and now that the commitment is made, how does it change the energy on your side of the organization just coming in in the morning and just, you know, everybody's grabbing their coffee and you're, and you're still going to your desk and having your meetings, but this this is fun. I mean, I, some, of, some of that you said is true. I mean, there's a lot of people sitting and staring at uh, terminals when I look, when I look out my, at the walls of my office, but... I mean, everyone here does this because they love baseball, and this is whether they 
you played professionally or played in college or at some point they, they love baseball and that's why they do this. And, you know, to me, one of the things that, you know, made me want to come to Chicago was you know, I was in Boston and we had incredible energy and, 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 and interest. And, you know, I went to San Diego for a couple of years and, and I missed that. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the same energy. We were, you know, in first place and drawing 20,000 a night in September and you come to Chicago, and when you're good, when we turn things around at the end of 14 even and then into 15, you can just feel the energy shift. And there's just no place like Wrigley. And I think that's the one thing that I love so much is, you know, sitting there last night and the night before, um, this is my, my 12th season, something like that, with the Cubs. And I feel like that never, ever wanes. When this place is electric, there's nothing like it. It's the best ballpark in baseball by far. And it has such an incredible energy. And to me, it just motivates everyone so much that, you know, if this is what it's like in early August, you know, what can this be like, you know, in, in, in October and late September when, you know, everyone, the whole city is really into it. So uh, that is the goal. I mean, the goal is to, you know, the best thing about baseball is that you can captivate a whole city for August, September. And then if you make a, a late October run, there's like, there's nothing like that in sports. And I think that motivates everyone every day. Jed, you had brought up that, that you know things are going to be difficult for Rossi when it comes to you know, figuring out who he's going to play from night to night. What what other changes do you think happen now for Rossi? Because you're not in a developmental curve necessarily. You are in a, hey, we're trying to win the division. So what changes for a manager in that scenario? Well, I think it changes for a manager. It changes for the front office. I mean, we, you know, we talk all the time about who to play and who not to play. And I think that when you when you start getting towards the end of the season where you're, you're competing, it, it turns into this performance and it ceases to be about development. And that has to happen. I mean, you, you have to have both, right? You have to be able to develop players in the big leagues. And you have to be able to let guys ride through slumps, but you know, the, the leash on that gets a lot shorter when you get into a situation like this. So um, yeah, it, it becomes, you know, you know, playing the right guy and, and, and not fo- being focused um, on development as much. And I think that's the right balance. Jed, thanks as always. Look forward to talking again soon and continue. Good luck. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.